0: Good afternoon, everyone. This is Steve Bradley, God's Wordsmith, coming to you with a teaching from Matthew chapter 9. Uh, We are not considering the whole chapter today, but we will finish up later. Chapter 9 is structured around a series of statements from Jesus, his opponents, or questioners. In chapter 9, verses 1 through 8, we read this, It says he got into a boat, crossed over. This is after he has healed the Gergesenian or Gadarenean demoniacs. And he came to his own city, that's Capernaum. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, that is, their actions revealed their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you? I could say that. You could say that. Or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, And go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Now, when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God who had given such power to men. Matthew 8, the preceding chapter, concludes with Jesus being virtually banished from a town across the Sea of Galilee because he healed the two demoniacs. You know, it's possible to ruin a lot of wonderful opportunity with God if you have the sort of fear that comes from experiencing such a miracle. And that's apparently what the Gergesenes did. Jesus leaves them at the beginning of Matthew 9 and returns to Capernaum, also on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, but elsewhere on the coast. Jesus' first ministry when he landed at Capernaum was this paralytic and the events that surrounded that. This is another busy chapter in Jesus' life. So let's talk about the paralytic for a little bit. And here is more material that helps us to understand Jesus, his motivations, his interests, and his power. The text tells us that the paralytic was brought by his friends, and when Jesus saw their faith, that is, what they did that showed their faith, He responded, Son, be of good cheer, take courage. Your sins are forgiven. Here is more evidence of Jesus' deity. The paralytic was a sinner, as are we all, but evidently his sins deeply burdened him. And Jesus' words to him are words of omniscience. Jesus can see into your soul and mine. And this is incredibly encouraging, because whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever your situation, whatever your history, Jesus knows you. He knows all about you, and he offers forgiveness and healing for your sins and your burdens. Forgiveness is waiting for you when you confess your sins and repent of them. This poor paralytic couldn't even get to Jesus on his own which reminds us that our faith that is yours and mine can often bless those unable to help themselves if we just make the effort. The reaction of the scribes who can forgive sins but God alone is an interesting question because it is who indeed. The scribes comment is a double-edged sword because Jesus uses that comment to prove once again that he is God manifest in the flesh. <clears throat> so he silences the scribes with a very simple word, get up, take your, take your bed, and go home. So the former paralytic did exactly that. Now what more proof is needed? <clears throat> Jesus can do both healing and forgiveness, and the healing proves the forgiveness that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus, as God manifest in the flesh, is a constant topic throughout the New Testament. Consider John chapter 5. In John 5, Jesus heals a lame man at the pool of Bethesda in Jerusalem. The Jews are outraged, and they plan to kill him for that because he broke the Sabbath law. But Jesus responds in chapter 5, verse 17, My father is working until now, and I have been working. Now the Jews are really mad, and they want to kill him even more, not only because he broke the Sabbath, but also because he called God his own father, making himself equal with God. And that word there, equal, that is a mathematical word that shows equivalence between two things. So he's making himself equal with God. And why did he do that? Well, he is equal with God. And this is the basic Christian doctrine. Everything else flows from it. The word Jesus in eternity past became flesh. He showed his glory. The glory as of of the unique one, the one of a kind, the Greek monogenes of the Father. Now, some versions do have only begotten the King James and New King James. But the original is unique. And this is the reason that Jesus was murdered, that he claimed to be God. He never wavered from his claim. There are so many verses that affirm this that it's almost embarrassing when you hear some idiot say that Jesus never claimed to be God. The affirmations of his deity are nearly constant. He never wavered from that claim. In fact, each claim becomes more powerful than the last until you can either reject him or receive him, but you can never deny that he, played to, that he claimed to be God in human flesh. Now, when we come to Matthew 9, we find this claim clearly made in Matthew, the tax collector. Now, Rome had a system for taxation that was pretty interesting. If I became a tax collector, I got to collect taxes from you, plus a commission. Now, if I was able to talk you into paying more or force you into paying more, than you were supposed to pay. I got to keep the extra. So the alliance that these tax collectors had with Rome made them hated and mistrusted by by the true Jews. And so here we see these words in Matthew 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So Matthew got up he left everything as it says in another gospel and followed him Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in Matthew's house I've added that but that's where it was Behold many tax collectors and sinners came down came in and sat down with him and his disciples and when the Pharisees saw it they said to his disciples Why does your teacher eat with these bad people, these tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Well, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, what's interesting about this is this is an implied claim of deity. Who can heal the soul but God alone? God can transform your life, and here is the God-man. He can heal the soul, as he did with Matthew. He can heal the body, as he did with the paralytic, and he calls the worst of us to himself. He makes no distinction. If you're human, Jesus Christ can heal your broken life and your broken soul. He does that by giving you new life, eternal life in him. And he does it without you working for it. You believe. That's all there is to it. You believe. And so here is the quote from John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. In other words, God is his Father. He is equal with God. And the believing, you may have life through his name. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you receive eternal life. It's the simplest thing in the world. All you got to do is lift your eyes to heaven or look down and say, Lord, I want to be part of your kingdom. I want to belong to Jesus Christ. I receive you now. That's it. That's all you have to do. And I pray you'll do that today and be blessed by the Almighty God. May God bless your life and your soul in his name. Amen.